Hello, welcome to Health Trust Clinical Services Candid Conversations. This is a conversation series where we highlight physicians, clinicians, and supply chain leaders who are innovating, caring for those in need, and working to improve human life. In this conversation, I talked to Sue Shugart, CEO of Kershaw Health in Camden, South Carolina. Kershaw Health was the first LifePoint Health facility to identify and treat a COVID-19 patient. Sue talked to me about the impact of COVID on the patients and staff, the necessary response to the disease, and how Kershaw Health will prepare for a potential second wave of COVID-19 in the future. This is an episode about managing PPE, the overwhelming community support that Kershaw County provided, the importance of staying present during these challenging times, and so much more. Carlin Ferguson, the marketing coordinator for Kershaw Health. And I'm Sue Shugart. I have been the CEO here since April of last year. And I, I believe, Sue, I was um, looking at some of the information that came across, and I think that you were one of the first facilities, if not the first facility within LifePoint Health that identified and treated COVID-19. Is that correct? That is correct. We were the first. And how, how has that, you know, hit your health system and hit your community? Can you give us a little bit of, um, of what your experience has been? Our community was really startled uh, to be the first and to be a, um, a, a smaller community. We're on the outskirts of Columbia. Um, but we quickly rose to the challenge, I think, both as a hospital and a community. Our hospital had been doing some preparation, both internally and, um, and extending to community physician practices. Our infection preventionist had just days before we diagnosed our first case um, conducted several sessions of um, preparedness for, for physician practices and, like I said, to include both those employed here uh, by the hospital and run by the hospital, as well as those independent ones in the community. We created a 12-bed unit. We ran out of room on it. We uh, transitioned to a 24-bed unit. We uh, didn't initially. It took us maybe a week, 10 days before we began closing other services and pretty much became hyper-focused on COVID-19. But um, but we did that and focused uh, solely on it for uh, a time period. I, I say solely. Obviously, we continue to do uh, to take care of other patients and do right. emergency surgeries, but but severely limited many of our services, outpatient services, and such. And um, we um, came real close to exhausting our resources, and particularly in the ICU. But with a lot of collaboration with LifePoint, uh, our local and regional uh, emergency management uh, colleagues, uh, Prisma Health, with ventilators, we were able to weather that and until we came down on the other side of the curve. And I'm happy to report that we started opening up to other services at the end of April. And we'll be back to full block scheduling and um, and 100% of whatever surgeons want to post in about another week. Yeah, we've heard um, and have been talking to a lot of different healthcare systems who are in that phase of 
you know, resuming elective surgery or, you know, relaunching some of their elective services. Are you doing that under some type of a universal protection strategy or uh, how are you managing your, your PPE as you move into, you know, resuming that type of care? Well, we had become um, really vigilant with PPE while we were in the height of our COVID outbreak. So um, we, I think, did a great job on um, extending the use of PPE appropriately, finding a balance where we were um, certainly always following CDC recommendations, but giving staff um, the leeway to um, use what they felt like they needed to uh, to protect themselves and others. And so I feel like we did a good job of hitting that balance. But part of that, of course, was just monitoring our PPE utilization, burn rates, um, uh, storage systems, and all that kind of thing, access to PPE. So that when we got ready to open back for procedures and surgeries, we had a really good handle on um, what we knew it was taking for the care we were delivering. And then we had some, obviously, historical data from uh, prior to COVID. Now, obviously, we weren't going to use those burn rates because um, yeah. we, at that time, you know, we didn't think twice about uh, one use and discarding of certain PPE. So, um, so we look at it to answer your question now at least twice daily. We don't take it for granted, and we are willing, if we must, to even um, cancel or reschedule cases within 24 hours if we feel like uh, we are at risk for not having adequate PPE. Yeah, we've heard, and, and I think it's been fairly consistent across some of the larger systems, and I'd be interested in your perspective, but um, you know, the fear that patients have of coming back into the healthcare system and one of the national polls recently showed that about, you know, 25% of the backlogged patients um, are willing to come back in, but then, you know, as high as 75% still have some concerns about coming back into the healthcare system. What have, what have you and either you, Sue, or maybe Carla can even speak to it as well, what have you done to sort of address that or reassure, you know, the community that it's safe to come back into the healthcare system? Sure. Um, well, Carlin's done a great job um, with a proactive campaign, and 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 it's shared with many LifePoint hospitals called um, Your Health, Our Heroes, and we um, have been proactively talking about the steps that we've taken and the uh, to try to reassure uh, patients that, that they will be safe. We have also, um, Carlin had our chief medical officer um, do an op-ed for our local media, and then that was even picked up outside our immediate market, and um, Dr. Holmstrom was quoted in the Charleston paper as you had already alluded, with our being the first hospital in LifePoint, we were also the first hospital in South Carolina. So Camden mm -hmm. got coverage across 
the state that, you know, other hospitals didn't. And then it was a nice follow-up story for the Charleston Post and Courier to talk about us then coming out uh, on the downside of the curve and reopening some things. So, um, so that op-ed and that coverage. And then we ask our surgeons and um, ancillary leaders if they would to please let us know um, uh, of patients who might be willing to talk with us and talk with Carlin for an um, actual testimonial of what it was like to come into the hospital post-COVID for something that someone may have chosen to put off. And Carlin's working on that right now, so I'm eager to see how uh, that's received. Um, and then recently, another thing Carlin did was we had a patient completely unsolicited, but who came and had to be seen as well as then got a radiology exam. And she talked about her care. Um, and then Carlin picked that up on social media and um, shared it as well. So we believe that um, our physicians are going to be powerful. Uh, influencers with patients, and we believe other patients and talking about their experiences um, could help us as well. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I like that your health, our heroes, that's, that certainly resonates. And we've been trying to highlight what we've been calling our Health Trust Clinical Warriors on our website and share some of those stories and lessons learned amongst, you know, the various different health systems. Um, as well, you know, ironically, speaking to leaders of healthcare systems, there's probably never been a safer time to come into the hospital than now, <laughs> considering yeah. all the all the personal protection and the hygiene and the cleaning. And um, so we're trying to do the same and reassuring patients that um, they are safe. And we've had a couple anecdotal stories about patients who have waited probably too long for care and have come in with varying degrees of chronicity that they probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, have you seen anything like that so far where patients have waited too long and, and you know, showed evidence that they should have come in sooner? Uh, thankfully, I have not, although one of our physicians did share um, his concern of a patient that he felt like in um, other times may have sought emergency department care and, uh, and and chose not to. That's the only one I've heard about, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, well, that's good. Yeah, but we, we've had a couple um, examples, not a lot, but, but a few where they definitely delayed to the point where um, by the time they came in, they were in pretty bad shape, completely unrelated to COVID. And so I right. think making sure that they feel um, you know, that they can come in and safely get the care they need. And it's going to be real, real important. In regards to your um, your staff, your frontline staff, how have they been, you know, handling the, you know, emotional toll of this pandemic? And, and what support strategies have you, you know, employed or put in place for your frontline healthcare workers? Um, sure. Well, we, um, I think, Collectively, uh, the staff has done an amazing job. I have to give a shout out to our director of employee health. We're blessed. She's a nurse practitioner. She has 
she's a one-woman department, but she has just uh, been extraordinary through this uh, time. She has really been able, in working with a lot of the employees who, who've been exposed or any employee who develops any kinds of symptoms, whether or not uh, linked to a, an exposure, routes through her. So she's mm -hmm. had a lot of one-on-one -on -one contact, and she's been a great, um, just a great resource to really detect when someone might need someone to talk with or might need to um, speak, seek professional uh, intervention or referring those uh, employees to an EAP. She was instrumental in talking with our behavioral health unit uh, medical director, psychiatrist, and the nurse manager of that unit to talk with them about uh, something we're doing next week, which is just offering group sessions to talk about dealing with the stress of COVID-19. The nurse manager is eager to offer um, some peer support groups out of that. Um, we're not really advertising that until the session and or session or sessions are offered by our psychiatrist to um, really talk about that option with staff. So, so I just can't say enough about Phyllis Hames. That's the person that um, I mentioned who is our director of employee health. The um, some other things that we have done. Um, well, I have to give a shout out to LifePoint because the employee assistance program was um, given, we were given unlimited access to the EAP for all employees mm -hmm. and family members. The HSC also recognized that this was going to be a real challenge for a lot of leaders who were trying to lead through this kind of crisis and handling that um, both for them, uh, the emotional toll, as well as dealing with the emotional toll of their, it was taking on their employees. So offered some virtual leadership coaching for um, for them. We um, have really been incredibly supported. I hear this all the time from staff um, because of the incredible community support. Um, and that's not unique to Kershaw County as we've seen this um, really across the country with uh, and really the world with healthcare workers being saluted and, and it just, uh, held in such esteem, but but um, I've worked my entire career in community hospitals, and we battle what I call bigger is better, and um, with folks uh, sometimes not um, leaning on the local health care, but wanting to go to bigger bigger hospital, bigger bigger town, bigger city, and um, it's just been incredibly reassuring for our staff and just a a great uh, emotional bolster to them to um, have the community enveloped. So everything from um, gifts of food, gifts of <laughs> plants um, um, from the school district, uh, all those people sewing face masks. We had a beautiful uh, vigil early on in the uh, COVID outbreak uh, where they surrounded the hospital on a Sunday evening. And, and as I'd walk through the halls, the, that was something I would hear from, from the staff when it was 
when we were really working uh, at our peak that they felt so emotionally uh, supported by the community. And then we began encouraging staff to tell their stories, uh, highlighting uh, on our internal Facebook page, Carlin would video. She, uh, I did several messages and then other staff would let her know and they would want to uh, generally highlight the work of either their, their team or another teammate or team, uh, like department, depart another department in the hospital. So um, that was good, I think, to keep um, to to keep uh, the emotional morale going. And then one of our chaplains, who uh, works actually in hospice and home health, so is not on campus, he wanted to offer some support as well. And so he began targeting and um, crafting his own devotion specifically to what we were going through. And so Carlin's been distributing those as well. Um, but I, I saw on there that the, there was a follow-up question, which was what was most effective. And that was hard for me to really answer. I think if I had to say it's it's been presence um, because one of my mantras as a leader is presence is important. And mm -hmm. I tell the other leaders that all the time. But through this crisis, I think that being present so that we could see what the frontline staff was going through, we could listen, we could be available, um, all shifts, weekends. I just happened to be walking into the ICU at change of shift on a Sunday night when we lost our first patient. Uh, to COVID-19 quite suddenly. And um, I didn't say a whole lot that night, but uh, I was so thankful to be present. Um, yeah. Actually, I went in, <laughs> one of our nurses was um, uh, facilitating a Zoom call with uh, a non-COVID patient in her room. As I walked in the ICU, she uh, met my eyes and said, would you would you go in and help this patient? I saw the patient wasn't on any kind of um, isolation precautions. So it wasn't a COVID patient or PUI. So I went in so she could go and help with the code. Um, and I believe that it's, it, that just is my one personal experience of mine, but I believe of our senior leadership team, our infection preventionist who has been so present and then our leadership, departmental leadership, being so present for the staff has really been the biggest difference so that we could stay connected with the staff, see what they were going through, and be uh, a shoulder or an ear, um, or in the, as I started out with the case of Phyllis, just recognizing when there were needs that we needed to address. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And um, has the, the CARES Act or any other governmental um, support programs been impactful to you? Or how has that uh, impacted Kershaw Health? I will have to say, um, for me personally as the CEO, uh, it has just, knowing that there there was the safety net, if you will, that, that certainly maybe not everything that we were losing was going to be replaced, but 
to know that um, that our plight was recognized and that the support was coming just allowed me to be able to focus on what we needed to focus on and that being, you know, um, taking care of the patients and our community and trying to, to um, you know, flatten the curve and, and do what we needed to do both inside the walls of the hospital and as advocates and spokespeople outside in our community and then subsequently to focus on bringing back services when we felt like we safely could, not because we were pressured uh, mm -hmm. to be able to keep the doors open. So yeah. um, I remember well that I, I can't, the HSC with LifePoint has been incredibly supportive, number one, just navigating all of the programs and assisting with um, the applications and such. And then my CFO uh, was told early on in a meeting by his division CFO, hey, you're going to be the only people right now, um, even with an eye on finance. So that's okay, um, and, and we're here to support you. But that expectation that um, that that wasn't to be my focus um, when, when in normal months I would say um, all of it is you know on my radar. Right. Um, I, I just I didn't have to do that so much, and that was that was great. And do you um, now that you're resuming or, or getting back to safely resuming some of the elective surgeries and, and procedures? I'm sure you have. Do you have any um, thoughts or perspective about if we do end up seeing a second wave of COVID-19, you know, in the fall or in the winter months, you know, concomitant with the seasonal flu, um, what preparedness or, or response changes do you have in place, you know, in anticipation of potentially that happening? Well, I think certainly we'll all be um, wiser for the experience, know what worked uh, well and what didn't. And I think that we will, even though I, I'm quite proud of how quickly we responded, I think that um, we just have a lot of confidence that we can respond nimbly and that our medical staff and community and employees understand and um, that if we, for instance, have to um, reduce services again, um, that we have understanding and a willingness um, and belief that we're not going to uh, do something um, unnecessarily, that we have the absolute best interest of our um, patients and staff and, and community in mind. So I um, I would love to not have to use those skills, <laughs> right. uh, but if we do find ourselves there, um, I, 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 I'm quite confident that we can do it. And I'm not, I, I, I get a little frustrated when I hear all the commentary about 
what we have done as a society or community um, that, you know, has been too harsh or whatnot. I really haven't met any uh, one in healthcare who has had a front row seat um, in with COVID-19 uh, that I can say I've heard that from. Um, right. And I... Um, Hindsight, of course, is twenty twenty. But my hindsight really is that uh, um, nothing we did in Kershaw County or Camden or Kershaw Health was was too much or too soon. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, and we've certainly, you know, had the opportunity to support several different systems, um, some of whom have been hit. Um, remarkably hard, like we support Beaumont um, in Michigan, which is one of the real heavily hit hotspots in the country, um, and some others as well. And it was really amazing to see, to your point, um, how quickly they and even the, the team here at Health Trust responded to try to make sure that they got all the supplies and support that they needed and how people in times of crisis like that can really focus on what the real priority is and what's the most important and obviously that's the, the care of patients. Um, Sue, in regards to to being proud of how your team responded, if you had to pick, and I know this is hard to do, but if you had to pick one thing that you were the most proud of, what do you think that would be? The absolute focus on what we needed to do. Um, most of our nursing staff and other caregiving staff um, have not been through anything like this. Um, I mm -hmm. talked with some more seasoned um, physicians and a few here and there who say were around when um, HIV um, became about, but for most of our staff, this has been like nothing they've ever experienced. To um, to be trained in evidence-based um, care and and work through, <laughs> to be administering drugs that that have been through all kinds of trials and um, you know they just they've not been through anything of this like this. Nor had I as a leader. And the staff's um, strength and absolute dedication to our patients and our community uh, at the risk of, um, or the unknown maybe is, is better a word, but uh, unknown impact on them. Um, they just never lost focus on what we needed to do. Our community was the first where the um, head epidemiologist went on camera the first week of March and said, we have evidence of community spread in Camden. And to know that our staff was um, at risk every time uh, they left the building in a community spread environment, um, we have experienced incredibly low number of um, healthcare workers and I mean really two that I can say you know had exposure here mm -hmm. so 
we um, we they just they were just resolute and doing what they do and doing it well and like I said I think the outcomes speak for themselves no that's 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 great I really appreciate that Sue um, so once again just want to thank you both for your time really appreciate it thank you so thank much you. and thanks for all you all have been doing oh you're quite welcome thank you for listening to this episode of Health Trust Candid Conversations podcast please visit education.healthtrustpg.com to find COVID-19 resources for clinicians and to listen to our conversations with Health Trust Clinical Warriors.